isn't it fun to bless people with gifts at Christmas time? Praise the Lord. And guess what? Our Father, it's His great delight to bless you and me. Not just at Christmas time, but all year long. It's our Father's heart to bless. At the conclusion of this service this morning, that's why I sent Pastor Ryan out, uh, because the pastors and the elders are in Solid Rock Cafe right now. They're blessing and anointing every home, every marriage, every life with the blessing of the Lord for 2015. And this morning, the elders will line up, the pastors will all line up, and we'll each take an aisle and stand at the head of the aisle. I'll stand here at the center. And as you line up, we will lay hands upon you. We will anoint you with oil because God's blessings are very genuine. They're very real. They are true as we speak blessing upon you for the year ahead. Home blessing 2015, a tradition here at Lakeside. Read with me in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, our main text this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand, in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, and who meditates on his word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This morning I want you to discover what God's word says about blessing. How to be blessed. It's amazing, it's incredible how many Christians don't understand the key to receiving and enjoying God's blessings based upon His Word. This morning we want to discover who are the blessed in a sermon I've titled, The Blessed. Pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak divine favor, divine blessing. Lord, upon this word this morning, let it be a word that gives life. Let it be a word that gives victory. Let it be a word that brings blessing. In the name of Jesus, amen. Follow along with me in your sermon study guide. If you don't have one, raise your hand. The blessed realize God's desire to bless his children. Not for who they are, but because of whose they are. Down through the years, I've had many Christians question if the Lord really desires to bless Christians, to bless His children. I want you to know the Bible answers that. Look with me in Deuteronomy as we see cover to cover what God says in the Bible about blessing. 
These are the blessings that will come upon you. Blessings in the city, blessings in the field, blessings of fruit and bread, blessings when you come in, blessings when you go out. The Lord will defeat your enemies before you. The Lord will bless you and prosper everything that you do. This is not my word. This is the word of the Lord. Well, pastor, is that just Old Testament? Is that just for Israel? No, no, no. Look at what Paul said. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son. Who's God's son? Jesus. But gave him up for us all. God gave his best with Jesus. Now look at what Paul says. How will God not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? If God didn't spare his own son, if God gave his very best for you and I, why would he withhold blessings upon your, your life, your family, your, the, the, the work of your hands, upon your finances, up, upon the, 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 the material things within your life? Why would God withhold blessings? That would be contrary to God's word. You see, we often fail to receive God's best because we feel we're not deserving of God's best. Newsflash, you're not deserving. Neither am I. So why does God want to bless us then? Not because of who you are, because of whose you are. God's blessings flow from his character. God's character is all loving, all forgiving, all merciful, all grace giving. You see, one of the main inhibitors for you and I to walk in blessing is allowing old Slewfoot to whisper into our ear, You're not deserving. You have failed, God. You haven't measured up. You're a spiritual loser. You haven't always been righteous. And you need to look at old Slewfoot in the eye and say, That's right, I haven't. But my God is. He is the holy of holies. <laughs> he is perfect. He is righteous. And as I am in Christ Jesus, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Former things have passed away. All things have become brand new. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So when God looks upon you, he sees Jesus all over you, and he says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. And the blessings flow. The blessings flow. No, we're not deserving of God's blessings. We're not deserving of anything from God. That's why it's called amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hallelujah. God desires to bless us. The sooner you understand that, the sooner the blessings will flow. And the blessings come because of who he is. I was age 25. I just graduated from seminary. And I had extremely little ministerial experience. But without a resume, without an interview, I was hired to be the youth pastor of the largest youth ministry in the entire state of Michigan within the Assemblies of God. I had a youth group of over 400 souls, larger than most congregations across the nation even today. How? Why? 
Was it because of my talent, my giftings? No. It's all because of my father. Bottom line, the senior pastor who hired me, the board who validated it, all knew my dad. They knew his credibility, his excellence, his integrity, his heritage of holiness, the legacy of faith in my family. I was blessed because of my dad. You see the principle? You and I, you and I, we can count upon our blessings because not of who we are, but because of whose we are, who our dad is, Abba Father, our heavenly God. Amen. Write it down if you would. Fill in the blank with me. The blessed win the battleground of their minds by saturating them with God's word. The greatest battleground today is not in Afghanistan or Syria, Iraq. The greatest battleground right now is right between your ears. There's a war raging for your soul and my soul. Young people, young men and women, when you think about 2015, next year, your next semester in school, what are you thinking? Hmm? Getting excited about the new year? Or are you dreading it? Sir, ma'am, dad, mom, grandpa, grandma, huh? When you look, when you plan for the future, are you getting excited about it? Are you expecting good things to come your way? Or, or are you saying, preacher, I, I haven't even recovered from 2014 yet. I haven't caught my breath yet. This year has been so lousy. Do you realize I've been beat up, I've been chewed on, and I've been spit out in 2014. And you want me to get excited about 2015? The battleground. The battleground. The battleground of the mind. David, before he became king, faced the same thing in a place, in a town, in a setting called Ziklag. Can you say that with me? Ziklag. Man, how would you like to tell people that you're from Ziklag? Hmm? You know, I have a hard enough time when people ask me at a, at a pastoral conference, where are you from? I say, Detroit. And they go, oh, I feel bad for you. Oh, I hate that. I'm from Ziklag. David was kind of like Robin Hood. And he had a band of men that followed him. His Robin Hood and his merry men, so to speak. And they were out to battle. When they returned back home at Ziklag where their children, their wives, their houses, their property was at, guess what happened? Can you imagine returning home today and finding your house burned down, your house robbed of all that was worth something, and worse than that, your children, your mate, kidnapped, gone? You don't know if they're dead or already in slavery. The Bible says that it got so bad, the depression, the discouragement got so bad that they started looking at David. You ever been in those circumstances, whether in your home or, or, or within your workplace? People got to find somebody to blame. 
And they all start pointing the finger at David, though he had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Look with me, read with me in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. I would be too. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. That's the Bible's way of saying depressed. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. So did David get depressed too? Did David start cussing? Did David say, shake his fist at God and say, why always me? Always me. Is that what David did? What did David do? Now this is a key principle you need to hang your spiritual hat on. What did David do? David began talking to himself. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. The other day I saw a guy talking to himself in a restaurant. He didn't have a Bluetooth or a cell phone. He was just talking to himself. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for the uh, guys in the white coats to show up with the uh, wagon to the funny farm. Uh, yeah, it's weird when people are really talking to themselves. Uh, but there's a good time and a right way to talk to yourself. Listen, especially when you're in trouble, when you're facing tragedy, when you're facing crisis. But I talk to myself on a daily basis. Hmm. I encourage myself in the things of God. I quote and I confess the promises of God, which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. For all the promises of God are true. You need to get up in the morning and look in the mirror. You need to drive your car to work. You need to ride a bus to school and be talking to yourself. Uh, not holding a conversation. You need to be reciting and confessing and declaring the promises of God. You need to be able to say, Lord, your word says that if God be for us, who can be against us? Your word says we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Your word says I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Lord, your word says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick and by your stripes I am healed. Lord, your word says that no weapon formed against us can prosper. Lord, your word says that though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Lord, your word says greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, you start your day with God's word and, and declaring it to yourself and encouraging yourself. You watch. It's going to be a new day. It's going to be a new year. It's going to be exciting. God meets people like that. He meets them with a victory. That's what happened to David. David went out with his men. They not only caught up with the enemy, they defeated the enemy. They recovered all of their children. They recovered all of their wives. They recovered all of their property back. Plus, the Bible says they recovered a whole lot more that was never theirs in the first place. They got blessed in the process. God not only wants to restore, God wants to prosper you. This is his will. This is his word. I can't find anything contrary to that. But it starts by saturating your mind 
with the word of the Lord. How can you confess God's word in the moment of trial if you've never read his word, studied his word, if you've never meditated or memorized it? The first general in the Lord's army in the Bible was Joshua. What did God say to Joshua? Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, Joshua, but you will meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, what? Prosperous. And then you will have good, what? That's another way of God saying, you're going to have blessing. Speak my word. Encourage yourself in my word. Saturate your mind where the battle is with my word. Amen. Our minds are like computers. I keep reminding my wife, turn our computer off. Turn it off. Turn it off. When you're done using it, turn it off. Why do I have her turn it off? Oh, you have the same problem too. You leave it on, it's going to be infected with what? It's going to be open, vulnerable to viruses. You got it. That's right. Your mind's like that. If you don't take control of your mind, if you don't put a guard on your mind, if you don't saturate your, word, your, your mind with His Word, this mind will get infected by all that it sees and all that it hears from this world, which is so negative. Viruses. You program in garbage, and what will come out? Duh. Garbage, right? You program in success and blessing and victory and life uh, from God's Word. What's going to come out? Faith-filled words and lifestyle. Blessing. Amen. Amen. Does God desire to bless us? Are there promises of blessing in God's Word? Oh, let, let, let's just look at a few of them real quick. Amen. Amen. How, how about blessings of prosperity? That's right. Take that cell phone you're using right now and look up Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Real quick. Remember the Lord thy God, for it's he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That's right. How about blessings of health? Exodus 23. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and what? Man, don't you know we need protection over our food and water? And I will take away what? sickness from among you. How about Malachi 3.10? Huh? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Matt and Angela brought this up last week. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. There will not be room enough to store it. That's not my word. It's God's word. There's blessings of protection in the Bible. Luke 10, 19. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's better than AAA. Allstate. Prudential. Man, what insurance. Blessings of joy. The psalmist said, Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence. His fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now, those are just five promises that you could meditate on in the days to come and saturate your mind. Those are just five. But guess what? At a minimum, there are 3,000 promises in the Bible. 
Another person has counted 7,000. All I know, there are hundreds, there are thousands of promises within God's Word. What would happen in your lifestyle? What would happen in your walk and talk if you began the new year by saturating your mind with the promises of God, with the Word of God? Can you imagine what would develop in your marriage, in your relationships, in your home, in your work, at the, at the fruit of your hands? When you line up your thinking with God's thinking, great things begin to happen in your life. Write it down. You might not think this is in the Bible. You might never have heard this from a, a holy pulpit, but I give it to you this morning. The blessed are persons of excellence. The blessed are persons of excellence. Have you ever wondered why it is some people are blessed and prosperous while others are relegated to mundane, stuck-in-the-rut living? How is this so? Why are some people blessed and some people just always barely making it. Always barely making it. There's many factors in faith living I could point to. But one thing is for sure. God does not bless mediocrity. He blesses excellence. He's called us to be people of excellence. Because we represent Him. This is not my word. This is the word of the Apostle Paul. Paul said in Colossians, Whatever you do. Now that can be your home life. It could be the car you drive. It could be the work you work at. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Who are you working for? Don't say GM, Ford, or Chrysler. Don't say for that school or for that, that uh, military contractor. Who are you working for? You work for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. What does the Lord deserve from you and I in our work, in our lifestyle, and how we take care of the things that we've been blessed with? What is the Lord's will? Excellence, integrity. We're to give it our best effort. We're to do it as we're, though we're doing it for the Lord. Uh, if we'll keep that standard of, uh, of measurement, God has promised to reward us and to bless us. A boss, a boss confronted one of his employees and said, Hey, I understand you're a Christian. And the guy said, Yes. I understand that you believe in life after death as a Christian. And the employee said, yes, well, yes. Well, then that clears everything up then for after you left work early yesterday to go to your, your grandma's funeral, she stopped in here to see you. Ouch. What an indictment on the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be a person of excellence? A person of excellence goes the extra mile to do what's right. A person of excellence arrives at school 
not just on time but early or on at work on time or early they give their employer a full day's work they don't habitually leave early they don't habitually call in sick even when they're not sick they follow through with assignments they complete them on time they do quality work with a positive attitude but pastor when the boss is away the mice they play when the bus is away, everybody surfs on the internet, uh, they play video games, they take extra long lunch breaks, they steal tools, I mean they borrow tools, they borrow supplies and materials, uh, everybody's doing it, Pastor. You're not like everybody else. God has called you to be a person of excellence and a person of integrity. You're called to represent Jesus Christ in everything you say and everything you do. And God is watching. You're an ambassador of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That means doing everything that you can with excellence and with integrity. It wasn't a rousing amen, but that's the word of the Lord. Now let's go on the other side of the spectrum. Let's go on the other side of the spectrum. Pastor's now preaching to himself. Let's go the other side of the spectrum. Conversely, if you want to be blessed in 2015, the blessed take time to laugh. The blessed take time to laugh. Some of us, especially if you're an elder child, some of us, especially if you are an A personality type, OCD tendencies. You need to take time to laugh. You're taking life too seriously. We often think too hard about school. We often think too hard about uh, achieving. Uh, we often think too hard about our jobs, our responsibilities. We often overanalyze our relationships. Uh, even some of us get too intense about competition and having to win all the time. I don't know who that would be. I find it very interesting that America represents only 6% of the world's population, but we use 92% of the world's tranquilizers. What does it all add up to? We're an uptight culture and stressed out generation. We need to take time to laugh. Have you ever heard of Norman Cousins? Norman Cousins, former editor of the Saturday Review, uh, very popular in, in, in New York, New York City. Uh, Norman Cousins uh, was diagnosed years ago with incurable spinal column disease. Not only would he lose his ability to, to walk and to function, but it was terminal and he was only given months to live. When he was given the diagnosis of this terminal disease, he thought to himself, I might as well, if I'm going to die, I might as well die laughing. So he checked into an apartment, and he began buying all the joke books that he could lay his hands on. He bought all kinds of uh, funny cartoons, my favorite, Bugs Bunny. 
Looney Tunes. He bought all kinds of uh, old films of the Three Stooges, Red Skelton, Bob Hope, Jerry Lewis, and 24-7, he did nothing but laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And guess what? He laughed himself to wholeness and health. He noticed that the more he laughed, the more the pain subsided and went away. He then decided, I'm going to go and get tested out at the hospital to verify what I'm feeling. He went back to the hospital and they could not find any indication whatsoever of the disease. They pronounced him whole, healthy. They pronounced it as a miracle. Norman Cousins went on to write the book. You can Google all this. He went on to write the book, The Anatomy of Illness. He was elected to the surgical board of UCLA, even though he has no medical background whatsoever because of his keen insights on the connection between body, mind, and health. What does God's Word say about the connection between mind, emotion, and health. Look with me in Job. He will yet fill your mouth with what? Laughter. And your lips with shouts of joy. Continue. The next portion of God's Word says, let your saints shout for what? Joy. Nehemiah says, uh, for the joy of the Lord is your what? That's more than spiritual strength. I want you to know that. Uh, next, we see a merry heart does good like what? Medicine. I want you to know Solomon wrote that more than 3,000 years ago. Medical science only now has discovered that when you laugh, and when you have a joyful life, uh, when you choose to be happy and laugh, your brain releases endorphins. This substance from your brain has been discovered to keep you healthy, to boost your immune system. I love it when medical science finally catches up to where the Bible has been for thousands of years. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. Will you choose to be joyful in 2015? Will you choose to laugh? Will you choose to stop taking life so seriously and catch your breath and enjoy the blessings of the Lord so that His blessings will continue to flow? I want to remind you, money, money can buy things, but money can't buy joy. It can't buy peace, happiness, contentment. Those things uh, only come to God's children who expect the Father to bless them. Amen. Number five, the blessed, the blessed speak to their mountains. It's vital that you realize the moment, the moment, the moment, the moment that you speak something, you give birth to it. You give life to it. Let me say that again. It went over some of your heads. The moment you speak something, you birth it. You give life to it. 
Medical researchers, psychologists have discovered research greatly indicates that if you're trying to, to creatively think, if you're trying to come up with a solution to a problem, I've even taught my associates this, if you'll begin speaking it and speak your thoughts, uh, speak your brainstorming out loud, you will become much more creative. You'll come up with new ideas. You'll be able to brainstorm when you talk out loud. There's something about speaking that actualizes and makes concrete your thoughts and allows you to open up to new sources of creativity as you think and speak at the same time. When you speak, you are giving birth. You're giving life to that which you're speaking. Proverbs 6.2, we are snared by the words of our mouths. Conversely, what are you speaking? What are you speaking? Are you speaking negative words all the time? I heard of a husband that complained about this, that, and everything about his wife. She could never clean the house good enough. She could never cook the meals good enough. She never looked good enough. He always found something to criticize her about and be negative uh, in the home about. One morning she asked what he wanted for breakfast. He said, I want two eggs. I want one fried. I want one scrambled. So she took care of it for him. She went in the other room to work after she put down the plate of eggs. And all of a sudden, she heard this ranting and raving, this screaming. She came running in. She said, honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? You did it again. You did it again. She said, what did I do? You fried the wrong egg. So the next morning, uh, he, he wanted, a, he wanted a, a hot breakfast, so she set his cornflakes on fire. <laughs> Good for her. Good for her. Amen? Amen? It's incredible. Even in the church, it's incredible how some go through life speaking nothing but the negative. Negative, negative, negative. Nothing good ever comes my way. My life is a car wreck. My dreams never come true. I was born a loser. My grandpa was a loser. My dad was a loser. It's in the genes. I'll be a loser too. And the older we get, ever watch the older we get what takes up our conversations with our older friends? Hmm? Our ailments. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh, young people, young adults, young marrieds. Where we are, one day you also shall be. Now, if I, if I already told this story to you just recently, I can't remember if I told it in Italy or if I told it here. So if I already told it, would you just, would you just laugh at the end of this? 
even if I already told you. A group of, a group of elderly in Florida were sitting in a circle sipping cups of coffee and they were comparing notes on their ailments and their sicknesses and their, 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 their physical maladies. And uh, uh, one, as she lifted up her, her cup of coffee, she said, my arms are so weak, I, I can hardly hold this cup of coffee in my hand as it shook. Another one said, yes, I, I know, I, I can hardly see my cup. My cataracts are so bad, I, I, I can't even see the coffee. Yeah, God bless you as you, as you leave this morning. Um, I can't turn my, my head because of the arthritis, the arthritis the, 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 that's in my neck, said a third. Uh, my blood pressure pills, uh, uh, my blood pressure pills are, are making me so dizzy that when I drink my, my, my coffee, I, I want to pass out. One man said, well, I guess that's the price we pay for getting old. There was a long moment of silence. Then a woman spoke up and said, well, we've got something to be thankful for. They all said, what's that? We can still all drive. <laughs> if you're always talking about your problems, don't be surprised if you live in perpetual defeat. If you're always conversing about the negative, don't be shocked if that's just what you get. If you're always saying, nothing good ever comes my way, don't be surprised that nothing good will ever come your way. Capiche? Stop talking about the problem and start talking about the solution and the problem solver. Quit speaking words of defeat and start speaking words of victory. It's vital, again, to start your day with the gospel. The gospel, the word gospel means what? Stop watching and digesting Fox and CBS and NBC and ABC. If that's all that you're subsisting on, the bad news of this world, honey, sir, ma'am, I feel sorry for you. Start your day with the gospel. It's still the best pill around. It's good news. It's good news. Speak good news. Program your mind, your heart, your life with good news. Then live it. But see, avoiding, avoiding negative talk is not enough. I learned something when I was captain of our soccer team in college. I learned something about defense and offense. I learned that constant, constant defense anticipates defeat. You can't just, you can't just be on the, in a defensive posture if you're always on a defensive posture, you're never going to score. And if you don't score, you won't enjoy the victory. You hear me in this? You've got to bring the battle to the enemy. I said you've got to bring the battle to the enemy. It's not enough to avoid negative speaking. You've got to speak at your mountain. You've got to speak at the giants in your life. You've got to speak to the storm. Jesus taught us this in Mark 11. Jesus said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says... He didn't say pray. Says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things that he says will be done and he will have whatever he says. See the power in your speech. The power.
power in your speech. You need to go on the attack. You need to start confessing. You need to start releasing the miracle that God has placed in your mouth. In the name of Jesus, speak to that giant. Speak to that mountain. Speak to that storm. The scripture is filled with examples of this. When the people of God marched around Jericho, finally on that seventh day, on that seventh circuit, what did God have them do? Stomp their feet? Clap their hands? Huh? Huh? Do a little sidestep? Little wiggle? Huh? What did He have them do? He had them shout! Why? There's power in confession. There's power in faith-filled words. There's power in your shout of praise. Get a hold of that. When Jesus, when Jesus was in the middle of the storm, and the disciples were, were, were bailing the boat and saying, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. What did Jesus do? He spoke to the storm. He commanded the storm. And he said to the storm, what? The King James Version says, peace, be still. The original Greek, though, the original language says, shut up. And that's what you need to do, old slewfoot, in the name of Jesus. When the forces of hell wake you up in the middle of the night and consume you with fear about tomorrow, you need to sit up in bed in the name of Jesus. Shut up! Your wife or your hubby will, next morning will say, what was that all about in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah! How about, you know, there's one time in the Gospels that it says that Jesus was shocked. There's only one place where it says Jesus was shocked. It's when he was called to go to a Roman centurion's house and lay hands upon his sick servant boy. And the Roman centurion sent a messenger and said, I am too unworthy for Jesus to come to my house. Just have Jesus do what? Speak the word. And Jesus was blown away. Jesus said, I have never seen so much faith in all of Israel. Here a Gentile said, just speak the word. Speak the word. He saw within his spiritual mind the inherent power in faith-filled words. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, is when Jesus was tested and tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted with hunger. Many of you are being tempted with hunger for things. You're being tempted with, if you could just have that, that new car. That's what I'm dealing with right now. If I could just have that car, if I could just have that promotion, if I could just have that new position, if I could just live where they're, they're living in that house. But that's not real contentment, is it? Because man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you allow the word of God to speak through you as you enter into a brand new year, I guarantee upon your life victory, blessing, favor, restoration. God honors 
faith-filled words spoken in His name and for His glory. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak it at your mountain. Speak it at your giant. This is the word of the Lord for us. In the name of Jesus, begin to understand God, Christian, has placed a miracle in your mouth. Write it down. The blessed, the blessed speak divine favor over their families. Again, our words are powerful. Proverbs 18.21, death and life, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking in your home? What you are speaking, you're giving birth to. Are you giving birth to death or life within your home? Are you giving birth to curse or blessing in your relationships? What are you giving birth to? What are you giving life to? Some children have heard all of their lives, Hey, stupid! Why don't you get in here and do something with your life? Hey, dummy! I see by your grade report, you didn't, you messed up again. As their intellectual potential has been cursed. You know, you'll never amount to anything as their economic potential is cursed. Or the worst of all, Look me in the eye. I said, look me in the eye. I wish we never had you. As their very existence is cursed. What are you birthing? What are you giving life to? There is a very real practice within the Bible that you will find that the patriarchs did. At the end of their lives, the patriarchs would have all the sons, all the children line up, and he would begin to lay his hand upon their head. And he would begin to speak blessings upon them. These blessings given by the patriarchs were so very real and so very genuine that sons would fight for the blessings. If you don't believe me, check out the story of Esau and Jacob. Jacob did all that he could to get the blessing of his father, and he got it. He got the eldest son's blessing, the double portion. Well, Esau took it for granted. Blessings are very real. The parents in Jesus' day, they fought with the disciples to bring their children to Jesus so that Jesus might lay his hands upon them and to do what? To bless them. God has ordained in his church pastors, elders, to anoint with oil and to speak blessing as we will at the end of the service upon your life and upon your home. Those blessings are very real as they're received in faith believing and faith receiving. But also in your home. Grandpas, 
Grandmas, listen to me right now. Take this seriously. For such a time as this, God has called you, Grandpa. God has called you, Grandma, to be the patriarch of your family circle. Before you step into the new year, at the very minimum, lay your hands upon your children, your grandchildren, and speak blessing upon them. When my children were, were young and I could walk into their bedrooms at night, I would sneak into their bedrooms and lay my hands upon them. They began to speak their future, speak their destiny, speak their potential in Christ Jesus upon them, speak blessing upon them. I'd pray in tongues over them. And only God knows what was said in faith-filled, supernatural tongue talk. Do you know that the Orthodox Jews, the Orthodox Jews lay their hands upon their children's heads in the morning and at night and speak blessing, 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 blessing upon them. Is it any wonder why the Jews are so successful around the world? It's undeniable. Undeniable. Yes. It's part and parcel of it. What will you speak over your children? What will you speak over your grandchildren? For such a time as this, God has raised you up, dad, granddad, grandma, whoever is the spiritual leader in your family circle. Please take on your holy office as the priest of your family and move out in the name of Jesus and speak blessing upon your family circle. God has called you for such a time as this. Write this down. A blessing is not a blessing until it's spoken. Until it's spoken. Until it's released. And you give birth to it. Your children need to hear you say words like, we love you and Jesus loves you too. Your children need to hear you say, God doesn't create junk. God does not sponsor flops. You have been created in the image of God. Great things are in store for your life. Uh, with Jesus, you can do all things who strengthens you. The greatest blessing is when you speak into their life. Jesus, the lover of their soul. At Christmas time, I had the greatest present of all. When Julie and Pastor Ryan said, Dad, watch this. And I said, Jack and Logan, show Grandpa how you pray. And our four-year-old grandsons, they just became four, they both bowed their head, closed their eyes, folded their hands, and said, Dear Jesus, thank you for the food we're about to eat. Of course, it was about food, but it was a sweet prayer. <laughs> they prayed. For the first time I saw that, that was so cool. That was my greatest Christmas present. Amen. Parent, the greatest blessing that you can ever speak into your home and your children is to speak Jesus, a relationship with Jesus into their life, whether they're born again or not. Speak it. Speak it. Expect it. Plant seeds. Plant seeds. Plant seeds. Be faithful with that and watch the harvest come. Lastly, the blessed are blessing-minded. The blessed are blessing-minded. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> How blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. 
Hallelujah. For years, our family, Julie remembers this fondly, Jen, Jenny remembers this. We used to uh, go to uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and, and dad would go from, uh, this dad would go from motel to motel to motel to find out their rates. And every time we'd come into to Gatlinburg, uh, we would uh, pass by Music Road Hotel. Music Road Hotel has a mini water park in front of it. It has the only swimming pool that I know of in the entire world, the planet, with a diving board. And the kids would, can't we stay there? Can't we stay there? And I'd always turn around to the back seat and say, no, we can't afford it. Only rich people stay there. Oh, Dad! And, uh... We'd find uh, the Smoky Mountain National Park version of Motel 6. And uh, finally, Becky twisted my arm. She said, well, you just at least check out the rates. And so I checked out the rates at Music Road Hotel that has these great velvet pictures of Elvis everywhere on the walls. And uh, she said, when we heard the rate, she says, don't you think we can do it? This one time, don't you think we can do it? I said, okay, we'll do it. And the kids are jumping up and down. <laughs> Yippee! And I, I said, but listen, we can't afford to pay for the food here. You as a family are going to have to agree we've got to go to McDonald's. We're going to eat at McDonald's. Because there's no way we can afford to room and pay for the food here at the hotel. And kids, we can't afford the water park. We'll go to a mountain stream, the national park. There it's free. I like that word, free. Free. Well, Dad. And it was like the second uh, day into it, and we were passing by the same girl that had checked this in. And, and, and she said, sir, uh, uh, are you enjoying your stay with us here at, uh, at Music Road Hotel? Uh, are, you, are you enjoying uh, our fine, fine breakfast? And I mean, they had a breakfast like you just can't imagine. I mean, every breakfast food under the sun. And I said, well, we really love our room, but uh, uh, we're going to McDonald's. I, I really can't afford uh, the breakfast, too, on top of the, the lodging. Uh, and I can't afford the water park. <laughs> Sir, she began to laugh. Sir, don't you understand? The breakfast, all you can eat. The water park, all you can enjoy. It's all included. Oh, dear Jesus, you should have seen the look on Becky's face. I turned around, looked at her, and she said, You tightwad, we could have enjoyed this years ago. <laughs> you laugh, you laugh. But how many of you believers out there, you've been, you've been 
doing hamburger dining when it comes spiritually with, with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you don't realize all the privileges, all the benefits, and all the blessings He wants to heap upon your life. You don't realize all that it means in being a child of God. You've relegated yourself to hamburger dining. And God wants you to pull up the chair. God wants you to sit up at His banquet table where your cup runneth over. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you life forevermore. Yes! The psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd. He's all that I'll ever want. He prepareth a table before my enemies. My cup runneth over. But have you been subsisting on hamburger dining? Isn't it time as we approach a new year, you pull up the chair and you're blessings minded. You know that you're a child of God. You know that not only does he have a banquet table, he's already paid the price with his son Christ Jesus. The bill has been completely paid for. Hallelujah. Your part, pull up the chair. Well, how do I pull up the chair, Pastor? This year, I don't care what your circumstances are right now or what your circumstances will be. Despite your circumstances, choose to lift up your hands, choose to lift up your face, choose to lift up your head and begin to praise the Lord. Well, Pastor, I'm still sick. Praise the Lord now. Well, Pastor, I, my bills still aren't paid. Uh, thank Him now. <laughs> well, Pastor, my children are still unsaved. Uh, begin to praise Him for their salvation. It's going to happen. Restoration is coming. Expect it. Be blessings-minded. Pull up the chair. It's all included. Stand with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare this as holy ground. Lord, as the elders come this morning, as the pastors come, Lord, we declare this as holy ground, healing ground. We declare this environment as a place of victory, a place of life. Lord, we speak blessing, divine favor in the name of Jesus. heads are bowed and eyes are closed I have declared this morning that blessings the blessings of God are very real they're genuine they reach from this life into eternal life forevermore the only way you cannot receive the blessings of God the only way you choke out his best in your life is by rejecting Him. Not being His child. Choosing to serve Satan instead of Jesus. There's no middle ground in this. You might think that you're living for self, but you're really serving the devil. How about it? How about it this morning? In this last service of 2014, isn't it time you say yes to Jesus? I want to see blessings come into your life. I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation, 
A prayer that will make you right with God, save you from your sins, and give you a home in heaven. If you want to be included in this prayer, lift up your hand right now. Lift it up. Lift it up so that I can see it. Lift it like you mean it. God bless you. 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 How many? How many? Come on, don't be namby-pamby about it. Don't be mediocre. Lift it up high. Wave it at me like you mean it. God bless you up in the balcony. God bless you up in the balcony. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. God bless you. So many hands lifted up. Lift those hands up again right now as a demonstration of your faith. Let's pray together. Maybe you've prayed this prayer with me many, many times. But this morning on this last Sunday of 2014, you're going to mean it. You're going to own it. You're going to follow through with it. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. I'm a sinner, but you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. Change me. Wash me. Cleanse me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. I want to be born again. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for giving me a home in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Put those hands down. This morning, I'm going to pray a benediction, but that's not the end of this service. Please, please, please stay. And we have Pastor Ryan over to my right. We have Bill Bogle to my extreme left as elder. Pastor Hal here to my left. And I'll be here in the center. Balance yourself out among these spiritual leaders. And we're going to briefly anoint you. Again, your home, you might have 15 people living in your home. God bless you. You need a lot of prayer. But there, only, there might be only one person in your home. That's you. We want to pray over you. We want to anoint your home. Okay, we have Pastor Ben. Come here for an aisle, Pastor Ben. Amen. We want to anoint you. This blessing is very real as you receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. If you raised your hand for salvation this morning and you meant it, when we pray over you, would you let us know? We want to especially pray with you a special prayer. Amen. I want to pray a benediction. If you must go, we understand it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace. I speak prosperity. I pray, O oh Lord, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Blessings coming and going. Lord, I pray a new year, a new walk, a new look, a new attitude. I pray faith upon your people. Now, God, as we actualize as elders and pastors 
the miracle you've placed within our mouth. We pray that the grace of the Father, and the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be upon one and all. In the name of Jesus, amen. Happy New Year. We love you. God bless you as you get ready for Home Blessing 2015.